Welcome, welcome. You're listening to our podcast, Two Massage Therapists in a Microphone. My name is Mark. I'm a registered massage therapist, registered kinesiologist here in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. No, not, nope. not again. False. We're in Oakville. We're in Oakville. Where are we in Oakville? I don't know, but this place is fucking fabulous. It's amazing. <laughs> this is a really, really... Unsolicited thank you, Airbnb. <laughs> hey, everyone. It's Amanda, and we are in Oakville sitting with Paul from Cupping Canada, who is our competition. Dun, dun, dun. I'm dun, dun, dun. <laughs> there's no competition. Oh, there's this no is... competition. It's all love. <laughs> Unless this is a, a, a massage challenge or something like that. Oh, let's not get into that. <laughs> let's not talk about the massage championships. We're going to get hate mail. No kidding. Uh, so we are here in Oakville in this beautiful Airbnb with uh, some people from Cup in Canada. The only one not shy enough to put on a mic was Paul. So we're going to be talking to Paul today. Hello. And we met Paul. I mean, we knew you virtually, I guess. Yeah. We, uh, what, we, about three weeks ago, four weeks ago, Mark, we like actually connected. Yeah. Um, I, I, we've been circulating kind of around each other for a little <laughs> while. Have your people talk to my people. <laughs> That's kind of it. Well, we can't not know who you are. It's Cup in Canada. We know exactly who you are. Uh, oh. And uh, we got to meet face-to-face at the Canadian Massage Conference this past weekend. Yeah. And now we're here uh, to talk about some things that's going on with so you So wait, guys. let me ask you guys a question. Where are you from? I'm from Winnipeg. Okay. Um, our head office is in um, Alberta, in Red Deer. Um, one of the business owners who's in the room right now but is not mic'd up, uh, Michelle, she is from uh, Kentucky originally but lives in Florida. What so. part of Florida? Nice. West Palm Beach. Florida is one of my favorite places. New Smyrna Beach, Florida is like my happy place. Mm-hmm. He's definitely, <sighs> definitely in love with Florida. Yeah. He's already got our five-year-old saying that when she's old enough, she's going to move there with daddy, but I can come visit whenever I want. <laughs> <laughs> Knows who the breadwinner is. Yeah. <laughs> oh, she chose poorly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sorry. That's only that. five-year-olds. Yeah. <laughs> So why don't we start with your background? I had originally told Paul that I was going to introduce him. And then as he started talking about all the things he does, I said, forget it. You're doing this. Because yeah, he's this got is too like many way things. too many I'm not going to do letters. it justice. So why yeah. don't you introduce yourself, who you are? Hi, I'm Paul Alphabet. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it kind of goes like that yeah. some days. Uh, most of the time on presentations, I leave off half of it. Oh, yeah. Um, just because I want to target to an audience, right? Mm. And I don't want to confuse them too much. So I started off with a phys ed degree coming out of high school. I went into university, did a phys ed degree. Uh, back when it was called phys ed, physical education, and yes. now it's called kinesiology. They just changed it, you know, to get into the late 80s. Mm-hmm. Um, University of Manitoba is always so quick to come around, um, but they did change it to a kinesiology program. It looks fairly similar, but quite nice. Yeah. Um, then I went from there, I went to uh, massage therapy college and did my diploma in massage therapy. What was the, what was the lag time between... Uh, a year. One year? Yeah. I didn't actually even know massage therapy existed. Um, I went through the phys ed program and attached to the phys ed program, there was the athletic therapy program. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And athletic therapy uh, really interested me Except they do so much for free that my entrepreneurial self, my parents own their own business, and I just cannot do that much for free. <laughs> like, it just doesn't make sense. Yeah, I'm volunteering um, at every game. Well, not only volunteering at every game, and, and now on saying that, I do that now because I think it's important to give back to the sports mm-hmm. that have, have brought me up. But the, the, the idea of taking a student and giving them, or a new graduate even, and making them volunteer to get their hours and a lot of times pay for all of their 
their kit, their tape, their mm-hmm, stuff like that, mm-hmm. which was the norm when I went to school. Really, like I graduated from Phys Ed in uh, uh, 1992. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it was a long time ago, and now the programs are much different. Um, but it was so much, so much for free that mm-hmm. I just I couldn't do I couldn't deal with it. I couldn't actually afford it. So mm-hmm. I left the university setting and did um, some work and at one of my part-time jobs uh where i sold hardware uh honest to god this guy came in and you know you can always when you work (laughs) at a a store long enough you know what people are making by what they're buying Mm. and this guy was buying the weirdest stuff and i said what are you doing and he says i'm making a massage table he's a massage therapy student and he was going to build his own table so I, i said massage therapy student tell me about that and he did, and he happened to have on him all of the info for the college. So I literally went home. <laughs> the, they didn't have a good website. I wrote a letter to the college and received a syllabus like three, four weeks later <laughs> and applied. Did you, did you actually handwrite? Because you did the I did. I actually <laughs> handwrote it. <laughs> I love it. And that. I had to mail it in. Snail mail. Amazing. Yeah. And they mailed the syllabus back to me. Yeah, I would. This is 1993, right? That's right. Or else you would have been dialing up stuff. Yep. Whatever sounds that dial up. Don't look at me. In 93, I was, what, nine? I don't know, man. Yeah, right. (laughs) Get out of here. (laughs) That happens a lot. (sighs) Yeah, so I went from, I I did my massage uh, diplomas. And then immediately upon opening my first clinic, I injured my hand badly enough that I took eight weeks off of work. What did you do to your hand? I tore like four ligaments in my hand. What were you doing? Karate. Mm. (laughs) Do you still do karate? No. This would have been so much fun as like a video. I don't know why that expression was so priced. What were you doing? Karate? Like, (laughs) what do you think I was doing? Obviously karate. Yeah, obviously. (laughs) I mean, come on. (laughs) Yeah, and it's like stupid injury. I I could probably go back to karate and do it again and again, like for the rest of the, you know, 20 years I've been in practice and never hurt myself again. It I'm was not going to lie. I, I was hoping you were going to tell me you were trying to make a massage table. <laughs> <laughs> nope. Nope. Got one with the Which, school. side note, I feel like that would only happen. Were you living in a small town at the time? No. Oh, I felt like only in a small town would somebody well, decide, I'm going to go make it in my own massage. Well, that guy okay. probably owns like a table building company now. He probably does. <laughs> I don't know. I never met him again. Like, so he either graduated before I started. Possible. Doubtful, but possible. Because I started the very next year and I would have thought if he was building his table, he would have been in school still. Maybe he was a ghost sent Maybe. by the universe Maybe. to bring you to your true calling of massage it's therapy. True. This it's man possible. did not exist. It, it could be. If you're out there and listening to this, please tell me who you are because um, <laughs> I'd like to say thank you. Um, so yeah, so I injured my hand. Uh, so at that point, you have eight weeks to reflect on what are you doing in your life that you're this dependent on your hands. So I looked around my my um, wheelhouse of people that I refer to uh, the, in the other the other practitioners. I went Chinese herbal medicine. I can do that. Then if I break my hand, no problem. Well, in order to do herbal medicine, you have to do acupuncture because that's where they teach you the theory. So I went to acupuncture school, mm-hmm. finished acupuncture school, got my diploma, went to, uh, in Manitoba, where I'm from, um, there is no regulatory college for either massage or 
traditional Chinese medicine. So the school was fairly new for acupuncture. So I wanted to know if I was any good at it. So I went to Alberta to write, which was the hardest exam in Canada at the time. And I went and wrote their their college exam. So I got registered there. I passed. So I must be okay, according to entry level to practice, (laughs) right? right? Because you don't know, right? Mm -hmm. You don't, you just don't know. So um, and I have to say that the school does really well across Canada at all the colleges exams. So the students go choose what province they want to write their exams and they mm. pass re- really well. So the schools in Manitoba are doing all right. Anyway, from there, uh, I did herbal medicine. I finished my herbal medicine. <laughs> Three months after I finished herbal medicine, I hurt my hand again. <laughs> Same hand? <laughs> Same hand. What were you doing this time? No, I okay. played soccer. Liter- you got to take up just fucking sitting on a couch while I know, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, so this time it wasn't bad. It was only four weeks off of work. It was kind of funny. I The the morning after, so I do, uh, I do acupuncture some days and I do massage other days. I don't mm-hmm. combine them, okay. okay? So the next day I was like, I, I, I was scheduled to do all acupuncture. So I'm like, perfect, no problem. I can do this with one hand. Now, when you've hurt your thumb, it makes it very difficult to open the the (laughs) sterile packages of needles. So I've got a patient laying on the table and I can't open the package of needles. Did that patient have two good hands? I did. That's exactly what I did. I said, "Um, can you open this for me? And then your patient's like, I'm I'm here for my hands, man. (laughs) No. So that would have been terrible. I would have had to go upstairs and get my receptionist to do it. Um, But uh, so the patient opened the pack of needles. I put needles in with left-handed, which no, not a problem. And then I said, okay, I'm going to let you sit with the needles. Just relax. I walked out of the room and said, walked up to the receptionist I'm like cancel the rest of my day this is ridiculous mm. and mm-hmm. took four weeks off of work again and then i went and got my phd <laughs> right <laughs> well then yeah after that so I, I did my phys ed degree did massage then did acupuncture then did herbal medicine and since then i've been just kind of i'm gonna say i'm in a holding pattern educationally in terms of standard education i'm not, I'm not interested in going and getting another diploma degree or anything like that yeah. uh, unless there becomes a need for it. Um, I actually was thinking about doing a master's just so I could get into the research and and contribute to the body of knowledge that Mm -hmm. is massage therapy. Um, But I don't think that's going to be a good idea. I've got other expertise that I think would be uh, better spent elsewhere. Mm -hmm. You know how it is. If you're entrepreneurial nature going into academia, I don't think that's a good fit. Yeah, I've toyed with the idea of going back and getting my master's degree because it was the plan before going into massage school. Okay. That was where I was headed. And then massage kind of crept in and I never did go back to it. So I, every once in a while, it kind of pops back into my head. And then I feel the same, like, mm, I don't know. Sorry, what were you going to do? A master's degree. In? I had You don't know. Okay. No, I did know. I was actually um, in the midst of applying to University of Toronto for occupational therapy. Nice. And then I met Mark and everything went the other way. <laughs> Blame me for your life. Nice. I love my life. I, I love massage therapy. Absolutely. Even even the drama. Yep. <laughs> okay, so then where is... Can I just ask one, one really yes. quick question? It's so stupid, but I need to know. Okay. When you worked at a hardware yep. store, did you ever, like, because you mentioned that dude was buying some weird stuff. You're like, what are you making here? I have this real weird recollection of watching 
some TV shows where like the like serial killers would come in and buy the weirdest shit. You know, that's where my mind went immediately. That's what I thought you were gonna say too. Like, have you ever seen someone buy like the most random amount of stuff, and you're like, oh my god, this guy's gonna like chop someone up and bury him, and this is where he's getting everything he needs? No, I, no. Uh, working at a hardware store, I, they could probably come in and go because everyone buys weird stuff. <sighs> like, I never thought of that. It's it's not unusual to mm. for someone to pick up a rope an axe and duct tape those, those, <laughs> that's, not, yeah. that's not unusual yeah i guess that's yeah so you, know, you could have interacted with, with many like murderers it. and had no idea yeah. <laughs> absolutely absolutely helping them out <laughs> this is a weird conversation Sorry, yeah. anyway let's talk about cupping so okay. let's talk you, about you did all these things and let's talk about the history of cupping canada i guess starting with a when did you start learning about cupping when did you start using it yourself when did that come in did it come in with the um chinese medicine or did that come a little bit later my own education in cupping came with chinese medicine mm -hmm. um however my first experience with it was from my acupuncturist and okay. that was probably about oh, 10 years before I started taking Chinese medicine. So I have a long, long history of the use of cupping, but the education of it, uh, it, it it's really interesting. In Chinese medicine school, your cupping education, a lot, uh, there's a lot of education in TCM schools that is, here's the textbook, read this. And when in Chinese medicine, when the teacher says read it, they mean memorize it because that's how you would do it in Chinese. Mm -hmm. Chinese school, everything is learned by rote. So, which is very difficult for um, non-Chinese to get their heads around mm -hmm. because we don't learn that way. But the Chinese language is made that way, right? The written language itself mm -hmm. is made to memorize. So conceptually, th there's a lot of advantages to actually learning Chinese medicine in Chinese. I don't speak Chinese, so not able to. But uh, when you learn something in Chinese medicine, a lot of times it was, here, read this. Mm -hmm. And then you were expected to have it memorized. So when you got to the practical portion of it, well, here's how you put a cup on, and you're so far into the program already that it, your theory should already be at your top of mind anyway. So here's how you put a cup on. Here's a few different ways to do it. Now you should be able to apply it. There was no practical. Right. Like none. My cupping class was three hours. Wow. It was three hours. So, and it was fire cupping, only fire cupping. Mm -hmm. And then a year later, the plastic pump vacuum style cups kind of hit more mainstream. So she, the, our, our principal brought in a bunch of cases, of, not cases, of, but you know, those little briefcase size cases. Yep. Yep. She brought in a bunch of them and sat them down on the table and said, okay, you, we're going to do another three hours. And we play, literally played with them for three hours to try and really figure out why you would use this over a uh, fire cup. Mm -hmm. And, and we talked about safety of, of, of fire versus vacuum um, and things like that. So it was a it, it was a very short introduction. But once you start applying cups again with knowing the theory in the back of your mind yeah. as a medical professional, you can make those discernments about how you're going to use a cup, mm -hmm. why you're going to use them very quickly, and then experience gives you the practical portion. For sure, right? Makes sense to me. Yeah. How about you guys? Where did you 
since we're competitors, <laughs> where did you guys? Uh, um, and first of all, Michelle and I talk about this a lot. We don't have any competitors in yeah, this no. field. I agree. Uh, so okay, I just wanted to. We feel throw that very out there. much the same way. Okay. It's it's not it's not a competition. There's so many RMTs. There's room for everybody, yeah. and there's going to be people that are drawn to your courses and you guys and there's mm-hmm. still going to be people that come to our courses and all of us are going to do well it's a big pie. and i think the fact that cupping has become so mainstream everybody wants to do it i mean we're all benefiting from yeah, it absolutely. so well, then you got you got a whole bunch of people that just fucking hate the idea that's true there's lots of people who hate the idea or not even that they hate the idea they <sighs> don't think they need to take a course to oh that's a whole other which well, that's, is that's, a, that's a different group yeah, <laughs> yeah that's a different but you definitely group. have that that group of people like this is this is bullshit show me the evidence blah yeah. blah 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 and then you show them the evidence and the evidence not good enough yep uh, never is or or they won't read the evidence mm, interesting so that, what's your response to what's your response to that then well is, um, it, is it just literally like hey man go check out my website the evidence is there do what you want with it after that well I, that's that's where I start. I, like quite literally, what we use for the most part. I mean, I update it um, outside of what's on our website, but there's a big list on our website of here's the biggest stuff that we talk about, and that's where we started Cupping Canada what, two years ago. Michelle, yeah, about two years ago, um, I created the course for May of 2018 was when we ran our first course. Mm-hmm. So I want to say that we were almost the same time frame, probably something around there. Yeah, yeah, I should look at when our first one was. It was probably around the same time. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so we, when they asked me to create the course, I said, "Well, I'm going to do it from if we're going to teach to mostly massage therapists and manual therapists, uh, I'm going to ditch." the Chinese medicine portion of it because Mm -hmm. the physiology is different. You have to speak to RMTs in the language where they learned, uh, which is Western physiology, Mm -hmm. which is really helpful because most of our patients also don't know Chinese medicine. So they don't realize that the physiology is different. Mm -hmm. And you say, Paul, how could the physiology be be different? Well, (laughs) Chinese medicine was created roughly 2,000 years ago. First textbook was around 232 AD give or take 100 years. In that textbook, it really set down the systemization of the basics of Chinese medicine. Mm -hmm. 2,000 years ago, they didn't know about blood tests. They didn't know how blood really circulated in the body. They didn't know uh, molecular structure. They didn't know even how the herbs interacted with the body. So they created a story about it, which is what we call Chinese medicine physiology, Mm. right? The story that we tell today is called Western medicine physiology. Do we know all the things that there is? No, we don't know all the things that there is to do with physiology. So I would maintain that it is still just a story. And we have to keep moving forward with our understanding. That's why, everyone, you should go back and read the new textbooks in physiology every once in a while. I appreciate the fact, because like I said, I did overhear some of, actually, this wasn't even in one of your sessions. I think you were just chatting with some people in the hall and I was kind of wandering around. But I appreciate the fact that although you teach to RMTs and you focus on Western physiology, that you still do give some history of Chinese medicine. Well, you you do have to. But we, I mean, we do the same. You know, you're not going to, we tell the students, you're not going to make certain claims like this to your clients, but to understand where this came from and, you know, what this reaction might possibly mean if we're looking at Chinese medicine, what this might possibly mean. And I think it really does make the students just understand a little bit more. Right. It's an old, old, old style of therapy. It's been around. We know based on the written record, it's been around for 3,500 years. And that's the only 
answer or response that you have to have to people who say, show me the evidence? How does something survive for 3,500 years that has no validity to it? Well, <laughs> fair. That's fair. And I, I, I think that... I feel like that's more than fair, but go ahead. Yeah, it, it's, <laughs> it's a fair argument. But for people who are really Western-based and, and, and thought-based, I mean, I just chuckle. I'm like, why do you even do massage therapy then? Exactly. Because massage therapy, show me the evidence is how it works. Like, there's bits and pieces, bits mm-hmm. and pieces only. These same people also are on that train. Like, they also think that what we were taught as massage therapists is false. And that's why so many massage therapists, what they do now or what they're, the way they speak to their clients is very different from massage therapy. We always joke, we're like, do you guys really want to be massage therapists? Is this what yeah. you want to do? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I say the same thing. Um, I think it's I think it's interesting, and I vacillate between trying to really understand the nuance in the research about what's going on, and just some days just go in and do a massage mm-hmm. and just do a massage. Don't think about it so much, um, and because you, you have to do that, you have to. It, it's a hands-on profession. You have to connect with that patient. I think you can't always be up in your head. Mm-hmm. You have to connect with. people. People, and I don't think that's done through the head. I agree. There is a lot to be said about um, about intuition. Like I've said this before when I'm teaching, when I was teaching in massage therapy school, and I know I get the eye rolls, but I would have students who I could tell like within the first week that they're in student clinic, that they just understand. They understand what they're feeling. Their hands can understand things. It's a lot of it's just intuitive. And yeah, you do have to touch people. You do. I have an interesting outlook on intuition. I don't really believe in intuition. I think, however, that a lot of our experience, we don't process intellectually, mm-hmm. like in the forefront in our conscious mind. Right. Okay. Yeah. So I think when you say, oh, this is intuitive work, I think all it means is you've already had the experience. Mm-hmm. You've already processed it. So you recognize it. It's not intuition. It's experience. Were you sitting in our session on Sunday? Sounds like it. Is that what you guys are talking about? (laughs) Yeah. I I think a lot of us older therapists, and I'm at 24 years now, I think if you spend any time thinking about what you do and how you do it, you have to always come back to certain generalizations, right? Like that. Mm -hmm. It's not, you know, intuition. Yeah, everyone throws around the word intuition like they got a sign from on high, right? <laughs> but like their hands are guided by something else. But what you're just discounting all of your education and all of your experience mm-hmm. if you assign it to whatever else is out there. Yeah, I think intuition and in the way I was saying it is more just like people who are not so up in their heads, like they're using their hands, they're feeling something, right? And yes, I agree with you. Likely it's because you've had some form of experience or you felt this before, or you know, this doesn't feel, and it does definitely come from touching more and more bodies. You don't just suddenly become an amazing therapist, but it's getting out of your head. We had somebody on the podcast, and now I can't remember who it was, who was talking about, I think it might have been Lindsay, who's practicing in Hong Kong. I got to hear the story first, I'll tell you. What she was saying was that she was overthinking things. Like she'd have a body on the table, and she knew the theory, like she was very academic, but then it took her time to figure out what to do with her hands and what she was palpating. And like, it was, it was very like intellectual for her. Whereas I said, I feel like I was much more able to kind of get my hands on somebody and try to figure out what am I feeling and trust my hands a little more. I was not always in my head. Right. But I think that comes from different, being a different kind of learner. For sure. Right. Because some of us just process differently. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I 
process everything through my brain. People say, how do you feel? I say, I think I feel however I feel. Why? Because it's in my brain, not in my heart or wherever you want to believe your emotions are hanging out. I don't know if I Yeah, someone pointed it out to me and it's true. I always say that. It's bizarre. I try and... I it, want to get him on a couch now. And I know. <laughs> there's probably something there. I am on a couch. Hey, wait a second. He is on a couch. Well, He's going to lay it. down, put your feet up. He's drinking a I've, glass I've of got, wine. I've got a glass of With wine. With someone qualified to analyze better. what's going on in there. <laughs> okay, so we talked a little bit about how you, how you got started with your experience in cupping and then what your education was. Yeah. And and was cupping something that you used very often in your own practice before you started teaching it? Um, I used it sparingly mm-hmm. in my practice before I started teaching it. And the reason why that is, is I didn't really find where it fit exactly. So I'm a, I'm a weirdo, a nerd, whatever. I also do community acupuncture. I don't do traditional single room, one patient. Mm -hmm. Like I have 10 or 15 patients happening at the same time in a big room and I just go from one to the other. It's not enough time to sit with uh, cups on. Mm -hmm. Like I'll leave you for too long. Because of that, I stopped doing cupping completely in my acupuncture practice. Mm. And in my massage room, you know, when I graduated from school, I had a case of hard plastic vacuum cups and a whole whack of glass fire cups. Well, fire cups, you have to pay a little extra on a rider for your insurance, Mm -hmm. for professional liability insurance in Manitoba. And I thought, well, that's stupid. Why would I even use these? Because the reason I'd use them, I don't really believe that there's any benefit to the flame part because the glass cups are so cold feeling. So the story in Chinese medicine is that fire cupping can add heat to the system, which is kind of ridiculous if you think about it one step further. The decompression in the cup is caused by the cup cooling down past body temperature. So where's this heat coming from? Mm-hmm. So that doesn't make sense, right? It's a good story, but I don't believe that it's necessarily true. So if there's a increased risk with fire cups, then why don't I just use the plastic cups? But I only ever had one set. <laughs> so I'd use them and then... And I'm done. There would be, yeah, and then there would be like five, six other patients that day that didn't get cups. Um, so yeah, so once we started talking about me running courses, I went, okay, well, I'm not doing it up current. I'm not doing enough currently. Like I've got a lot of years of experience at this point. Uh, I think it was about 10 years of experience doing cupping, but I didn't do it a lot every day. Mm -hmm. So I said, okay, let's do that. So part of starting Cupping Canada was not only uh, creating a course, but we were also selling product. I'm going to pause you on the we because it's you. Well, Yes. So Michelle. Yeah, Michelle. Who did, who did I meet in the other room? I forget her name. Oh, Joyce. She's is not she with part, Cupping Canada. She's not with no, Cupping Canada. No, okay, she, just kidding. She is one of our TAs from uh, um, or helpful uh, for CM, at CMC. She was working for CMC actually this time around. Okay. Um, but she comes around and helps us in our courses sometimes, and she helps everyone who taught at CMC. She's in everyone's class. Oh, awesome! Nice. Yes. Yeah. So, who is Cupping Canada then? You, Michelle, and anybody else? Yeah, Christy, uh, Christy from Red Deer. She's the one who is in Red Deer. Yeah. Um, and her partner, Julia. Okay, so, so it's the four it's of the you. the four of us. And how did the four of you get together? How did this happen? Michelle and Christy really started it. Okay. Okay. And what they did is they decided that they were going to carry product. 
because both of them worked in the supply industry for massage therapy. So they both saw this opening, I guess, in the field, mm-hmm. this, this, this lack of cups coming into Canada. You could get them in the States really easily, but not so easily in Canada. Um, so Michelle identified that, talked to Christy. Christy had a company kind of already set up, so they tried it a couple of times just to see what, how it worked, and they sold out every time. Nice. Okay. So then they decided, uh, then Michelle and I met each other kind of when they had that discussion, okay? Okay. And we started seeing each other romantically. Um, uh, like I like long I after like roman- I put my fingers he put together. His fingers together. See each other romantically. Uh, oh man, the visuals! This would be such a yeah, good video. I'm, I'm much better. I'm much better in person. Um, so yeah. So they start. Uh, we started seeing each other. So Michelle and Christy uh, wanted to start a business, and in that they said hey, if we do education, we'll sell more cups. Okay. And then that sentence led to, hey, then if we educate, then Michelle and I can travel to the same education places mm-hmm. and carry on our relationship with just as an add-on to the business because we traveled to see each other a lot. She's mm-hmm. in Florida. I'm in Winnipeg. That's quite far. I'd um, go visit her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she, she comes to Winnipeg at, for Christmas and New Year's. She cray-cray. Yeah, that's <laughs> totally nuts, Michelle. Yeah. <laughs> totally nuts. Yeah. Well, okay, so then how does girl from Florida meet somebody in Red Deer? How does that happen? How did you two form a Canadian massage? Canadian massa- yeah. Thank you, CMC. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you guys can't hear that, but she loves the Canadians. <laughs> so then that's that's where it started, that you are going to start teaching courses, right. selling product. And as I said, like, we know who you are. It's You guys are everywhere. Everybody knows Cup in Canada. Yeah. You guys kind of exploded very quickly. Yes. It this, feels like it. Is that, yeah, is that, like very is that quickly. what it was, though? Yes. Or was yeah. it just like we just were not aware? Nope. No? It, it's been two years. Well, yeah. May May of 2018 was when we started talking about our first, w- giving awesome. our first class. So we, and it was a surprise to us. We knew we were going to have a class. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember who started it. They, we just put a date down and we go, okay, we have a month. Let's do a class. That's what you got to do. You right. guys are very much like us. Like almost, yeah, just put a this date. is exactly what happened. And, and we, we just did, yeah. we just have an idea like let's just do say this yes. and we just do it say yes and find a way to make it work yep and we did 20 classes that year nice amazing right and so you guys go i mean it's cup in canada so you go all over canada uh so far not all over canada um well, we have yet BC to go is probably like no bc we get asked to go to bc all the time mm-hmm. so we are going i i can only be in so many places at once so yeah. right now we are training three people to be educators for us nice they're in our in the pipe, as it were, in the process of becoming educators I'm for scared us. to do that. I'm scared to do that. That's Why? a brave move. Mark doesn't like to give up control. It's not oh. about control. It's about it's about a brand. It's about the image. I it's understand. It's about an image. Yeah. yeah. I feel like we've tried so hard to build it what it is, and I would hate for someone just to fuck it up. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. it's, it's a big fear for me. Like that, What you guys are doing with that is a massive move. Yeah. Well, we come at it from, we have you have to train them. Yeah. So, we spend a hundred or hundred and fifty hours with them. Yeah, yeah. And that's a lot of time. Yeah, it's a lot of time. Still so <laughs> it's, it's, well, and and it's a lot of investment, right? And we've had people come in and get almost all the way through it, and then say, "Yeah, I can't do this." Mm. And oh wow! So you go, 
wow, um, okay, good for you for recognizing it. I wish you would have taught two or three courses so I would have made something back from that. Yeah. But <laughs> okay, <laughs> okay, if you can't do it, that, uh, and uh, I'd rather know at the beginning. I was about I to mean, say, it's better goes. to know. You yeah. don't want somebody there who isn't totally in it or Absolutely. doesn't buy in and it isn't going to match your brand. And, and that's why I, I totally respect that Mark doesn't want to screw not, up not the yet. branding. And, and we are a very, we're a baby company too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we've only really, technically we've existed since probably 2013, but we only really came into the light about 2017, yeah. 2016, 2017, people started to know who we were. So I understand why he doesn't want to, but I think we're getting to a point where he might have to develop a training program. I don't know how you're going to keep doing all this by yourself. Mm, I'm just going to get a job at a hardware store instead. <laughs> I wouldn't blame you. It's much easier. No, you'd be so bored. You love teaching. Paul was asking how you got into cupping, actually. And yeah, we kind of went on we never such get a back, tangent. We never get, did get back I, to that. You know, I don't take courses. It sounds stupid from a, <laughs> from a continuing education company. I don't take courses. I do a lot of one-on-one stuff. Okay. I find someone that I think is doing something really cool or something really interesting, and I say, let's hang out. And then we hang out for a long time. And so that's kind of what I do with cupping, right? So I found someone that does traditional Chinese medicine, does cupping, all the rest of it. You know, they've taught cupping before. And I'm like, let's let's hang out, man. And that's the that's the way I roll with most of the stuff. Like we did a Thai massage course, the same thing. We're like, we're so busy on weekends and stuff. When these things happen, we found a dude who teaches Thai massage in Toronto. He actually teaches all over the place. And like he, he just let us come to his travels. apartment. And I'm like, he, hey, he do you do one-on-ones? He's like, yep. I'm like, cool. You can, are, you, are you free this week? He's like, yeah, I'm free on Monday. You want to come by? I'm like, cool. What's going to cost me? He's like, oh, we'll figure it out when you get here. We went there. We spent the day with the guy. It was fucking fabulous. I love learning like That's that. That's amazing. I'd rather yeah. do these one-on-one things than... It's just me. I just... I don't dig sitting into a course. I feel really bad saying this. The CMC is awesome, right? And I sat into some sessions and I just keep thinking like, this is just not for me. It's not the way I learn. I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't pull much off of this, but... But um, yeah. Well, it's important to know the way you learn. Oh, yeah. Like, I see this in our courses. So, I find that the more people you have, the more experiences you have in the room. Mm. So, if you are a therapist who doesn't have a lot of confidence coming into a, a big room, like with 30, 40, 50 massage therapists, all each having individual experiences, so you can look around and go, everybody's here learning. Mm-hmm. That's a great thing. Yeah. But if you're a confident therapist, I don't need their experiences. I just need to know what I don't know. And yeah. so you got to come at it from, you know, one-on-one. Yeah. Uh, much better. But what I did, because I, I I mean, I used to go to the C, I've been a couple times when I was teaching. I bring students down for, for student day and I'd hang out for a little bit. And I've never, I've never really done their conference before. One thing though, I did, I, We've we've heard a lot of negative things from that conference, and we've had Scott and Monica on the podcast. We talked to them about that yeah. a little bit, about some of the blowback from some of the presenters being the same year after year after year after year. And so, you know, I was never really in that camp of thinking that way. But again, this is just not how I prefer to learn stuff. So I never really would go to these conferences. And I must say, man, after being there this weekend, like I feel awesome. I'm not going to lie. And yeah. it's not necessarily because of, oh, this course was great or this course was great. It was just being around a billion people that love their job, yep. that just love learning stuff. And I'm like, this is, I, I, like, I know people that didn't go to this conference because of those things that I mentioned. And I'm like, you're missing out on this whole other part of it oh, that you just can't get. 
anywhere. so much networking you get to meet people from everywhere and like i said we knew who you were virtually yeah really cool that we met you although can i please tell the story of how we met you oh absolutely <laughs> So, Here, uh, let me have a sip of wine. Yeah. <laughs> Mark Do and I, even I remember this moment. <laughs> Mark and I both had to work Friday, and uh, Scott and Monica had said to us, "You gotta come Friday and come for student day." And we really, honestly, did want to. Actually, I think Scott wanted Mark to be on the student panel, and sure. we really wanted to go, but we just couldn't. He had a one-on-one to do. I had clients. So we ended up driving to Burlington. I, I don't know. I think we got there probably seven, eight o'clock. Yeah, something like that. And people had already started drinking and being social. And we hadn't, we hadn't eaten they were anything. Well, into well and it this is the thing. I guess we felt the need to catch up. <laughs> so I'm standing there at the bar and I I didn't know what you looked like, but I guess Mark had because you, I guys, knew, you I knew, knew what, what he looked, looked like. like. Okay, so Paul approaches <laughs> us at the bar, and I'm probably four, five glasses of wine in on an empty stomach. Mm. And he starts talking, and I'm seeing like seven of you. So yep. I just shut up because I don't want to sound stupid. Well, and, and, <laughs> and honestly, I had never seen you before. I'd yeah. only ever heard I could have pretended voice. to be somebody else. <laughs> well, but I'd only ever heard your voice. So when you didn't talk, I had no idea who you were. Oh, I could have kept that going. <laughs> it was so brutal. It was so embarrassing. So then Mark always counts on, uh, counts on me to be the social one. So when so we go to pot. anything, he Someone's brings, he brings me specifically <laughs> yeah, to be the again? person who talks because he's not. It's funny. The podcast right. host and teacher, not a social guy. It's different. So when I didn't say anything to you and he didn't say anything to you, the next day he's like oh man you that guy must hate us it drove him the whole next day he was having anxiety about it's he must think that we're such it's assholes. not that I didn't want to say anything <laughs> I don't know if I was capable right I like I'm open about my cannabis use I was fucking high as a kite like I had no fucking clue what was going on well and so so from my point of view I knew it was you and I knew you guys were in your cups yeah. Because Thank you for I had also had a few. So I walked up just to introduce, <laughs> just so that if we had a conversation, great. If not, I can have this conversation tomorrow. So I said, hey, I'm Paul, Paul Kohlmeyer, da 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 And I and said nothing. There was no reaction. Mark said a couple of words. I said, okay, well, we'll have this question tomorrow. And I, and I went back to my table. I'm so sorry. Oh, I was probably I just thinking, man, I want a pizza. <laughs> <laughs> did have pizza. <laughs> and I said, I said to Michelle, she says, did you talk to him? And I said, well, I talked in his general direction, <laughs> but uh, See? I think See? we'll have this conversation tomorrow. Was the general consensus back at the room like, that guy's a fucking dick. <laughs> Don't lie. It's the truth, eh? She wants to yeah, say yes. It's so true. It's so true. I'm really not. I'm just not a social guy. And on top of that, when you put the fucking weed in my brain, it's like it's even worse. Oh, yeah. He was so mad at me, though. He's like, you're the talker. I'm like, yeah. I had too much to drink. I had, I had nothing to say. But anyway, yeah. it was nice that we then got to speak to you more sober on the trade yeah, floor. On, on the next day, right? <laughs> but I agree with Mark. I I hadn't really gone to the conference as much. It's not that I don't do courses, but um, I'm pretty particular about the courses I take because I am quite a bit like Mark. We're sitting in a class sometimes. I need it to move at a certain pace. I don't learn sometimes at the pace that the the course is going and I get really bored and suddenly I'm daydreaming. I don't know, maybe I have ADD. I'm not really sure. But you know, sure. So I, uh, yeah, I haven't gone to a lot. But like he said, even 
even just networking with people and meeting all of these different people and being in a place where there were therapists who love being therapists and who were enjoying themselves and just letting loose. And yeah, it it was nice. Positive vibe. It was very positive. I enjoyed it. And it was a way different positive vibe than like we used to do the Canadian, no, what's it called? Massage Therapy Expo. Massage Therapy Expo. It happened like three times. Yeah. And uh, it's such a different different go than Canadian Massage well, Conference. CMC, I, I, I am a conference whore. I, will, I love conferences. I don't necessarily take a lot of classes, mm-hmm. but I love conferences. Mm-hmm. So, and just for the reasons why you guys yeah. have said, you know, the networking outside of a conference is the, it's where the work gets done, yep. mm-hmm. right? So especially for people like your, yourselves and myself who are instructors, this is where we make new contacts, uh, create new content even. Mm-hmm. I have created content at a research conference. I have directed research into massage therapy by just saying to a researcher, hey, have you ever thought about this? Because I'm a clinician and I would like to know that. And he goes, no, I have never thought about that. I think I can add that into my research. Nice. And it four years later, it shows up published. So awesome. Not because... I didn't want to be part of the research. They needed to know from a clinician mm-hmm. a, a direction a direction yeah. that would make more clinical relevant sense. Right. You know, conferences are so interesting. Um, uh, World Fascia Congress, you know, you, you meet these amazing people. I went to the World Fascia Congress uh, in, um, where were we? Near Washington, D.C., outside of D.C., wherever it was. And we're on a bus going to go see the Capitol, and Tom Myers is sitting in front of me. He goes, hey, I recognize you from the conference. How are you doing? Awesome. Okay. <laughs> so, and we had a half hour conversation on the train. Good thing you weren't drinking. Well, probably. <laughs> but fascinating. And Robert Schleit was sitting right there because Robert mm. had to go uh, to the airport. So the three of us and uh, the person I was traveling with sat there and we talked and she found some research directions for a case study she was trying to research. Mm-hmm. And he was like, yeah, here, look at this guy, look at this guy, look at this guy. If you need some help, I can put you in touch with this researcher. It happens outside the conference. Sure. But you have to go to be in the venue, right? Yeah, for sure. I'm glad we went. I'm glad that... Uh, Scott wanted Mark to come speak. Yeah, it was nice it was, to get the invite. It was good. So where, okay, where were we in this? I just, actually, I want to ask you about the courses because you said you said about BC. Um, so in BC, oh. like, who who are we gearing this towards? Not massage therapists, or, or do you have massage? Because it's not within their scope in BC, right? It's outside of scope. So are so there, far. But do you have BC RMTs saying, "Hey, come teach me"? We have me? BC body workers saying, "Come and do it." Yeah, 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 yeah. We have BC athletic therapists coming saying, "Come do it." We have BC kinesiologists saying, come "You don't, do it. you don't have to say so on the mic. You can just give me like two winks if if you get BC RMTs saying, "Like, come." Michelle come. already did yeah. give something. Yeah, well. I'm not saying if it's yes or no. It's not on mic. <laughs> oh, yeah. Everyone's got to blink. I get it. <laughs> but it's it's interesting. Like, And then you can get into the scope of practice arguments, right? I understand. I, I really kind of get where the college in BC comes at um, cupping as out scope of practice because so many people teach cupping as a traditional Chinese medicine tool with traditional Chinese medicine physiology, which is not Western physiology, Mm -hmm. therefore out of scope of practice, because it's in the scope of practice of the traditional Chinese medicine field, right? And it's not the same. 
Right. The tool is the same. The way you apply it in some cases will be the same. Mm-hmm. The intent is not the same. The intent is not the same. Exactly. And this is why we named our course the way we named our course. Yeah. What is yours called again? Advanced Treatment Perspectives, Cupping as a Soft Tissue Tool. Right. That's what we're teaching cupping yep. for, soft it, tissue tool. Absolutely. I talk about it as an ISTM tool all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because really, that's what we're using it for. Mm-hmm. We're using it as a tool to manipulate soft tissue, period. End of story. So I heard you talk. I think you heard the same conversation. There were probably a couple of people sitting around the hallway waiting for their session with you. And you were talking about cupping marks and what cupping marks might be. Oh, mean. God. Yeah. 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 And that's always a big debate. What are those things? You're doing damage. Tell me what's going and on. And Mark was so happy with what you said. He's like, yeah, it's exactly what I said as we <laughs> oh, were walking good. by. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Okay. Two instructors talking about the same thing. <laughs> we'll get them all eventually. <laughs> okay. Let's so. get them all right now. You, t- you, you lead the way. Okay. So... The, the argument is that cupping marks are not a bruise. Cupping marks are not a bruise. This is based on the definition of a bruise. Mm. So if you look up the definition of a bruise in a dictionary, um, there will be some verbiage about, uh, and forgive me, I don't have one in front of me, but there will be some verbiage about blood coming out of the capillaries and into the tissue. And then some dictionaries add due to an impact or trauma, like Mm -hmm. impact trauma. So, okay, fine. But that's only 50% of dictionaries, right? So because it molds itself to their train of thought, being that bruises, uh, if you were to look at adverse events in massage therapy, if you type that into a Google search and look at the research, a bruise is an adverse event, Mm -hmm. okay? So because they don't want to be aligned with an adverse event in their treatment, and the bruise semantically in some dictionaries needs to have trauma, like an impact trauma, then it behooves their argument that a cupping mark is not a bruise Mm -hmm. because it's not caused by an impact. Mm -hmm. But that's only 50% of the dictionaries. So I don't think that's a very strong leg to stand on. I think you have to be okay that the application that you're providing will cause a bruise and be okay with that. Um, The other one that I laugh, I bruise super easy. Mm -hmm. Okay. So a cup mark on me, I think you can see I've got a couple on my neck that I had the cup on 30 seconds. Like that's me. Yeah. Yeah. Just instantly. Right. So the other thing that people say that cup marks aren't bruises is because a, they don't hurt and they don't change color. Um, I touched the cup mark on my neck. (laughs) It hurts. Pretty tender. And if, uh, we leave it for a day, it'll start going yellow and green and all of the colors. So I don't know that if these people just don't see their patients often enough, but cup marks always change color if they are of a certain quality, right? And certain patients are going to bruise more than others. It, it, it's so interesting to me. Like the, the argument is so much about semantics and the, the way it's viewed in the public. Yeah. And I do, I, I don't say to my patients that it's a bruise. I, I just use the term, it's cupping marks. I never actually say that it's a bruise because there is a negative association with the word bruise. But if I tell them, this is going to leave like a circular mark on you. And, and it will this feel point tender. It, and I explain like why it's there. Like mm. I explain about the capillaries, whatever. 
but I don't ever actually say bruise because people do immediately think like, that's a bad thing. Yeah, I'm okay with bruise. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's just me as a therapist. Mm -hmm. And I'm always super honest with my patients uh, and to a failing probably, uh, where I will come at them and I say, this treatment, I'm going to do this. And the reason why I want to do this is because of this. And here are the negative outcomes that can happen Mm -hmm. because it's informed consent, right? Mm -hmm. You've got to tell them all the bad stuff plus the benefits or else it's not informed. It's just consent. Yeah. You can't just, you can't sell something. You have to tell them this, this could work. It might not work. This is what could happen. This is what might happen. Yeah. You have to tell them everything or it isn't informed consent. Right. But I think the only word I don't ever use with patients or I shouldn't say never because I'm sure I have said bruise before, but Mm -hmm. usually I just say the cups are going to leave some marks on your skin and this is what they are. And I will usually say the similar thing. And then if they ask me, well, what is a cup mark? It's bruise. Mm. Let's move on. Yeah. Tell us about, uh, because part of the answer I heard you giving was, what do the colors mean? Oh my God. Yeah. Uh, Colors. I know. And I got to do it on this podcast. Yeah, fair. It's part of the Fair. You overheard conversation. This is, this is right out of my class, right? It's exactly what I I know. I feel bad. It's like, it's It's like, you're not teaching and I'm making you teach. That's okay. It's okay. I'm teaching with wine right now. So it's okay. It's even better. Um, so uh, what do the carp marks mean? That's a really interesting question. Um, in Chinese medicine, there are some things that are ascribed to a cupping mark, but they're often in the language of Chinese medicine. So I, I say to my students all the time, I said, okay, and I pull up that diagram that goes around Facebook every once in a while mm-hmm. that has the six circles. Yes. And the first one is, this is normal circulation. This is moderate stagnation. stagnation. This is chi stagnation, blah, blah, blah. And I say, okay, can anyone tell me, and I point to blood stagnation. Can, I, can anyone tell me in Western physiology, when does blood stagnate in the body? And I cross my arms and wait. <laughs> you look very intimidating. I'm not putting up my hand. Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> That's um, why you don't get courses. They all, everyone kind of just goes, huh, because it doesn't exist. It's, it's not a thing in Western medicine. I said, okay. Yep. And when in physiology class, did you ever study chi, mm-hmm. right? What's chi? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got a story about that. So interestingly, once you start going through that exercise and taking away what another system of medicine ascribes the cupping marks to, what you're left with is that cupping marks are a product of the patient's constitution plus how long you left the cups on and how strong the suction was, period. Because it's not rocket science. It's not, really. I want to hear the chi story, too, by the way. What's that? I want to hear the chi story. I got a story about Oh, the chi, yeah. So the words we use in English in Chinese medicine are interesting, and they're a decision that's been made. So I was in a group of a very mixed group, uh, and I'll say mixed race group. And there were two or three students that were Chinese uh, immigrants. English is a second language. Their English was great. Um, But obviously Chinese is a first language because they spoke Chinese together. Mm -hmm. And I recognize it because I went to Chinese medicine school. I knew they were speaking Mandarin Chinese. Mm. Perfect. I said, and I pulled them aside and I said, I'm going to do an experiment. Just bear with me. I'm going to single you guys out, which is really impolite, but I'm going to single you guys out and ask you a question in front of the class because I need everyone else who's having a problem with this concept to see your reaction. And I'm not going to tell you what it is, what I'm going to ask you <laughs> until 
that, but it's nothing bad. So and they just went on board with this. Just they they agreed. You? All right. They agreed. Um, <laughs> and then they swore. I, I said, well, because <laughs> I'm going to educate. I'm going to educate all these English speakers, North Americans, on Chinese culture as we see it in English. Okay. And they were okay. And they said, "Oh, so funny, white guy." Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. But I'm just kidding. They were really quite awesome. By so the way, anyway, I told you when you do stuff like that, you have to let the other people know you're Chinese. I'm half they don't Chinese. just think <laughs> <laughs> I can do that. I really should have said that. <laughs> so, I turned the class. I said, "Okay, I want everyone to look at these three as I'm going to say the next thing." And I looked at them and said, "Did you know that in English, from Chinese, the word chi, and I just made sure they knew which chi I was talking about, the word chi, and I wrote it on the board, is translated as energy. And they went, huh? <laughs> they all cocked their head exactly the same thing because in English, it, it is translated that way and has the weight of that word energy. In Chinese, it's not translated that way. So the decision that a priest who does not do Chinese medicine in the 1940s, he made a decision to translate the word qi in a medical textbook to energy, and it stuck. Mm. So it comes with this big weight. So the physiology is different, but even the English words that we use for Chinese concepts have this weight that they don't necessarily keep with Chinese medicine. Mm -hmm. It's so interesting. Well, it also creates a problem for the people who are saying, show me the evidence, because we're not even translating words correctly. Well, exactly. <laughs> so, so when we come back to what's a cupping mark or what does a cupping mark mean, you have to come back to, well, what does the evidence say? And there has been absolutely zero mm -hmm. evidence of someone taking a needle and doing a biopsy of a cupping mark. At least I haven't found the research on it. Supposedly there's one out there. It's alluded to, but never referenced. So I don't think it was ever published or ever done, but whatever. It's Kaiser Soze. <laughs> What's that? It's Kaiser Soze. Yeah, no kidding. Right? <laughs> <laughs> one of my favorite movies. <laughs> Love that movie. So yeah. So what can we say about cupping marks though? When a patient has an area that is having trouble, when they're feeling overly tense, do we we tend to notice they mark a little bit easier? I would say, yeah. Why that happens, I have no idea. And I don't want to ascribe a story to because I don't know what's happening in that tissue before I started. That shows a lot of confidence. And to me, gives um, it gives me like faith in the practitioner when you can just say, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It happened, but I don't know why. I do feel there is a difference. I'm not disagreeing with you on the, the definition of bruise. Yeah. Um, when you talked about the point tenderness, sure, some of my cupping marks hurt, but not to the point, you know, when you see like a really disgusting bruise and you know, it just hurts, like when it's black and blue and it just hurts. I am like you where I will get these like super intense colored cupping marks. I don't feel a thing. They don't hurt. Yeah. That's the only thing I will say to the patients is like, I don't know. It's it's not how dark it is isn't going to determine how tender it's going to be or isn't going to. Whereas no, I not necessarily. And I guess not necessarily the bruise either. But I think more often than not, if you get a pretty nasty bruise, you feel that thing. Uh, yes and no. Um, again, if we're talking the the difference again is is this bruise created by impact trauma where you get a lot of change in the tissue mm -hmm. or is it caused by just breaking of the capillaries with no damage to the tissue right. around exactly. it? Exactly. Right. Right. So because I don't know which one has happened, 
Like, sure, an impact bruise. If I rammed my calf into the coffee table That's or whatever, hurt. that pointy end of something, sure, I'm going to have maybe a big bad bruise. And for sure, it's going to be tender because I hit it on something or, you know, yeah. hit your thumb with a hammer or something like that, which is different from just breaking some capillaries because you had some suction on. Yeah, exactly. Right. It's, it's not the same traumatic event. So you can't describe necessarily the same... Um, tenderness to it right that's yeah that's sort of where I was going with it where I don't disagree with you but I do I do um, I think I sort of tell clients that again and maybe I should just be totally honest and let them experience what they're going to experience I always think they're going to be afraid when they see that super purple mark like this is gonna hurt this is gonna hurt really bad and not necessarily it might but not necessarily the worst bruise I ever had by the way just because we're talking about bruises I was bitten on my quad by a horse that was the ugliest bruise I've ever had. Yeah, I've been kicked by horses. It's It looks about the same. I grew up with horses. They're nasty creatures. I love them. Do you have a horse injury? Yeah, well, I don't know. Neither do I. I was, I was feeling left out for a while. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, now I feel okay about it. I don't have a motorcycle injury. Well, you know what? You might, it's, yeah, it's a rite of passage. There's only two types of riders. Ones that haven't gone down and yet, and ones that have gone down. Bound to happen if you ride. True. Yeah. You ride? Uh, used to ride motorbike, never on the highway. Mm, it's probably a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> probably should really take a page out of that book. I don't know. You can get off them just as easily yeah, that's on true. a tra- trailer and ditch. That's very true. Oh, yeah. boy. So I do have some questions for you since I, um, I'm not on social media as much. So as I said, like you and Mark kind of knew each other. Yeah. Um, your course, since the first one in May 2018... Do you guys have multiple courses? Do you have different courses for different audiences? Is it one course that you travel around with? Uh, Right now, it is one course that we are doing, um, which is a entry level to practice, right? This is, I'll give you a certificate. And out of that two-day course, you should come out of that being super confident, being able to apply it. Mm -hmm. So if you did it, if you did the course Saturday, Sunday, Monday morning, I want you to be able to apply it. Nice. Um, How do you you feel about a one-day course, just out of curiosity? uh, For someone who's never, never used cups before, they are are some sort of, you know, healthcare practitioner, either massage therapist, kid, AT, physio, Cairo. How do you feel? How do you feel about a one-day course for someone like that? Um, It depends on the level of confidence of the the participant, really. Mm -hmm. Um, I have taught three-hour courses that at the end of it, I'm not worried about the people who come out the other end. Mm. Yeah, we've done Um, that. I tend to agree with that. If you've got a group of people who are like, we just really, like, we understand, as you said, you know all of the theory, you understand the physiology, we just want to know how to use the cups. Yeah. We've had people who do yeah, that. I'm right? just curious. Yeah. Because yeah, you guys I, run a two day, so I'm curious. Yeah, I'm I'm okay with it in certain cases. In the vast majority of times, probably not. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that there is so much because of the amount of weight of history and language in other cupping courses, it takes me three hours to detrain people. <laughs> really? I, I, I hear you. Um, let's talk Western physiology. Let's talk this language. Well, what about this? Okay, is that Western physiology? No. Okay, then ignore it. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, what you learned in the other cupping course from a practical standpoint of how to put the cups on, how to take the cups on, how to move the cups, how to manipulate soft tissue, great. Now let's take out the language. So let's unlearn and relearn. And that takes time. Mm-hmm. And you have to build it as a fa- build it. You need a foundation in it. So you have to start with the basic 
theory in Western medicine. I find a one-day course is a little short because you won't get much practical because mm-hmm. you have to get their language right because there are too many other people saying this is a cup and kiss this is a like the cupping mark cup king yeah, kiss. Yeah, yeah. uh you can you can sanitize your cups with listerine yeah i've heard uh, that I, these things drive me crazy you can sanitize i didn't hear that you can sanitize oh your cups God. with well, I've listerine i've had people come to our course saying that's how they learned it stop yep. it yeah oh that's fun right. yeah but sorry i cut you off when you were telling us about um the courses that you guys run yeah no no problem um, so we do mostly the two-day course. Sometimes we do short ones like at CMC. I did mm-hmm. a three-hour one in a piece of our course. Yeah. And I even did a one-hour one, which was self-care, which as long as you know some basic theory, so don't put it on if you've got an active cancer, like stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I feel still I need to go through indications and contraindications and how to clean the cups. And then we can teach you how to put the cups on and take them off. I can do that in an hour mm-hmm. um, as long as you don't ask me too many questions, mm-hmm. right? Because <laughs> it's too fast. Yeah. yeah. But that's for self-care. That's not meant for you to work on a patient. Right. You, have, you do not have enough information to make a, a good decision at that point. Uh, in a medical setting. So we're going from that. The next course up we've just finished creating is a TMJ face, head and neck course. That is a one day um, add-on for massage therapists. Mm -hmm. And we... There's a two-day version of it for estheticians because we wanted to do stuff around um, wrinkles, wrinkle stuff, wrinkle removal, and and, and aesthetics uh, because the two things can be combined really easily. Mm-hmm. So for estheticians specifically in the spa industry, this is a smart way to go. Yeah, so, for sure. And uh, one of our instructors who wrote the course is a certified esthetician. So she saw that and said, yeah, I'd love to do this course, but I also want to add a day in for aesthetics. So it actually is, there, there are actually two different courses with one day of them being kind of the same because obviously the estheticians don't, you don't learn TMJ Bell's palsy treatments and stuff like that. Right. Right. So, but they do need all the intro stuff that we expect a massage therapist who's taken a cupping course, you know, they can take our two-day course and then add on an extra day. Yeah, I like it. Our next course coming up, I'm writing in February, is a SCAR course. After that, I'm doing a lymph course, lymph drainage course. Uh, what's the one after that? Yeah, I don't remember. <laughs> we were ta- I've got it written down somewhere because someone said, hey, what about this? And I went, that's a great idea. So I wrote it on my list. <laughs> nice okay. So idea. you guys are evolving as quickly as you blew up. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, your original course, has that evolved at all or has that stayed pretty consistent since the first one? Uh, well, there's always an evolution of how you train it or how you teach it. Mm-hmm. Um, the stories around the concepts change, but the I, I guess the, the bread and butter of it has not changed a whole lot. Um, you know, from the first class to the third class, I would say there was evolution mm-hmm. um, quite strongly. Uh, and now there is one evolution that's going to happen. Probably at Christmas, we'll change the course slightly. I think the cupping, we keep getting stuck when we teach the course, we keep getting stuck with not enough time in certain places and too much time in other places. Mm-hmm. So we're going to rejig the course a little bit. We're actually going to take out the cupping with movement portion and make it a standalone. Mm, that's a good oh, okay. idea. That is a good um, idea. And so we have more time to do the basics because mm-hmm. yeah. we just keep running out of time. Part of that is when you have, when you're teaching, 
if I have a t- class of 10 people, we can get through a lot really quickly. But my class size tends to be in the 40. You can't get through that same amount of information. Yeah. No, you can't. So let's realize that and make it so that, because my normal is around 40, let's make it so that it's normal at 40. And then if I do get a class of a weird one where it's 10 students or 20 students, then I can add stuff in easily enough. I dig it. I got a couple questions then before we call this a night. Where do you see yourself going with this? Is this something you guys want to do the whole time? Or are we just going to build this bad boy up and sell it off? That's an interesting question. What's, um, what's the game plan here? I've never thought about selling it off. Um, the entrepreneur in you guys are not thinking, let's build this mother up and then sell it off and start something completely different. Because we like to travel and there's a big world out there. Mm, okay, I dig it. That's a good answer. Right? So um, we we did a personal trip. Her Michelle and I uh, went to Italy and we spent three weeks in Italy and I need to go spend another three weeks in Italy. And while we were there, of course, we talk about what we do all the time as any entrepreneur does. Yeah. And because it literally becomes your identity. Well, it, it, it <laughs> really is. It yeah. really is. So as we're there, we're making contacts with people going, well, who who... Who is the RMT equivalent in Italy? And if there is an equivalent, maybe it's a physiotherapist, maybe it's something called something else. Mm-hmm. Is there a interest in this course from a Western physiology standpoint? And if there is, well, let's go. Because mm, I, I really enjoyed Italy. And I want to go to Ireland. And I want to go back to Germany. And I want to go back to Prague. So if we're going to build... So you asked me, why are you hanging instructors up or hiring instructors and training them? No, I get it. Right. Big vision on this. This then, is not Cupping Canada. This is Cupping International. That is the other website we have. Amazing. We're just getting there. Amazing. Yeah. I totally dig it. So wait, if you win the lottery, like millions, are we still doing this? Oh, I knew that yeah. question was coming. Yeah. I, I heard that question yeah. earlier. Um, I would. Um, and I think I would because um, I would hire someone to run the back office Yeah, because there's stuff like any business owner, there's stuff that I know I'm weak at and I can hire for that. So then I, it leaves me to go be good at what I'm good at. Mm. And I think Michelle would say the same thing. We are jazzed about what we get to do every day. Nice. I totally so, dig that. Man. Mark and I have sort of like a like a famous line we say to each It's only famous between us. But <laughs> yeah, at least one it, of us very every famous. day yeah. looks at the other one and we're like, we have a pretty cool life. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. We say, my life is better than your vacation. Nice. I love that. That's, right? That's I love, like my she has ha- it as a bumper sticker on her car. It's like my his hashtag. hashtag. My hashtag is my job is better than yours. <laughs> yeah, I, I saw that. I love that. By the way, really pisses off some of my friends. They think it's like an attack at them. And I'm like, no, man. I want to know one more thing. I know I've got all the weird questions. You loved Italy. What was the best thing you ate in Italy? From the guy who doesn't eat. I'm just curious. That's why why I'm curious. Best thing we ate in Italy. What's the best thing you had to eat in Italy? Oh, that margarita pizza at that little place where Michelle got shamed into eating a whole pizza. Um, That was pretty awesome. (laughs) I I, I need to hear this. (laughs) There's more to this. So when you, okay. So when you go to Rome, pizza is sold by the slice. Okay. So you go to a gelato <laughs> place and they have a case of pieces of pizza. Yeah. And they are probably a little bit bigger than a New York slice, but they're square. Okay. Okay. okay? Um, and yeah, you fold it in half and chow down. So we went to a, I don't even remember, I think we were in Salerno and we went to this pizza place where you sit down, which we'd never done. And we ordered a bottle of wine because that's what you do in Italy. You order a bottle of wine 
when you sit down to eat because it's cheap <laughs> and it's delicious. And you're, you know in Italy you're going to sit for hours eating. There is no fast food. So we order our bottle of wine and Michelle says, well, we should share a pizza. So decide she, decide what pizza you want. I'm going to run to the bathroom. And then she comes out five minutes later and sits down. She says, give me that menu. I'm like, okay, what pizza are we having? She says, well, you have whatever you had. There's a five-year-old over at that other table with a full pizza sitting in front of her that she's tucking in. <laughs> and so like all these little kids had these like 12-inch, 14-inch pizzas in front of them. In Italy, you eat your pizza yourself. Shamed into eating whole pizza. So I wouldn't I, have had to twist my arm. I would have been right? like, you get yours, I'm getting mine, don't touch. And, you know, you've got a lot of time to eat that pizza. Uh, yeah. I what, it, what was the best food we ate in Italy? Uh, which meal? Like, we went into a restaurant. The only reason we chose the restaurant is because there was a woman in the front window making the pasta. Mm, I get it. Doesn't get food fresher than that you're speaking to just me right now yeah like, literally mark does not he doesn't care i'm about not food. a food he guy but i'm interested in food it's the weirdest thing like i don't care to eat food or anything but i'll, I'll watch cooking shows all fucking day long oh i love cooking i'll watch shows. people make shit but i don't care to eat oh we eat <laughs> and i can listen to people talk about food but i eat yeah i eat i cook he does dishes really well. Oh, perfect. Yeah. Hired. You'll keep them, right? <laughs> I'll keep them. Thanks. Plus, he won't eat my food. Yeah. Even better. <laughs> well, this has been fun. Is there anything else we need to talk about in regards to cupping? I mean, I could talk food all day long, but... Oh, we both teach like a two, two and a half, three, four, eight day course. So, I mean, we could probably talk about cupping until the cow. <laughs> Why don't we do this then? Why don't you guys uh, give out your contact info, your website, all that People good stuff? People who want to take a course, how yeah. do they find you? Sure. Cuppingcanada.com. Uh, easiest way to do it. You can see all our courses online. Uh, if you don't see a course, sign up for the contact emails because you can sign up based on where the city is and it'll notify you if we put a course in your area. Right on. Yeah. Um, we're available through the website. I mean, I'm Paul at cupincanada.com. Michelle's Michelle at cupincanada.com. It's simple as that for in terms of ease of contact. And of course, on Instagram, Facebook, we're Cup in Canada. Cool. Where you guys head next then? Fly out of here tomorrow? Then what? Yeah, I fly out at 6.45 in the morning. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm heading home to Winnipeg for two weeks. I have a, My next course, I think, is in Winnipeg. Is that right? I, I always look at Michelle. Where am I supposed to be? Um, I understand. Yeah. And th what's that? Yeah. Then we're going to AMTA National. That one's at Indianapolis. Um, yeah. Without my calendar in front of me, I have no idea where I'm going. Hmm. I'm all over the place. We're in Hickory, North Carolina, doing a trade show there. Calgary, Edmonton. Yeah. Saskatoon. Your job is cooler than my vacation. <laughs> Well, it, it is like I go I go to work to have a vacation and then I go to work to have a vacation. It's lovely, <laughs> right? So tomorrow is travel day for me and then whatever the next day is, because I don't know what day I'm on anymore, <laughs> <laughs> is Wednesday, I guess. Uh, I'm back in my clinic and I work in my clinic uh, through the weekend and then I take Sunday, Monday off and then I'm back to work for half a week and then I'm off to the next course. Awesome. I love it. I dig it. Thanks for having us out here. This is a, a real nice place you guys seem to have rented out. <laughs> <laughs> we do that. We do that. Yeah, well, There's always a nice place. It's, so, it's, it's pretty yeah, sweet. We, can't, we don't like the skunkers. We occasionally get stuck with them, but 
you know, because always when you're renting these places, mm. it's based on whoever yeah. took the photos, right? Exactly. Yeah. Sometimes they put the lipstick on the pig, but... <laughs> You know I'm what? laughing because the first time I heard that expression was on this podcast. Oh, really? <laughs> was it? To me, yeah. To me, lipstick on the pig, right? Yeah, that was the first time I heard and I laughed probably just as hard then. <laughs> right on. Thanks for hanging, guys. It's been fun. Thank you. It's been a great time. You guys have been listening to Two Massage Therapists in a Microphone. Peace.